Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, July 2nd. You are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats. Gigi Broadway is with me. She is in the building. Gigi, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying this one day of semi-cool weather before the heat kicks back up the it rest of the week. It was crazy hot over the weekend. I didn't step foot outside. I was in the AC all weekend. Shout out to... Uh, Central Air and whoever invented it, because it's necessary. <laughs> Who did invent Central? I don't know, but I that he I hope he uh, got all the kudos that he deserves. <laughs> so we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show lined up for you today. We've got Doctor T, one of my mentors slash OGs when it comes to race conciliation in Richmond. She is the creator of the conciliation project and she's an associate director uh or associate professor at vcu of theater she is amazing nice one of the best people to talk to about race relations and we're gonna in richmond we're gonna talk to her a little bit about what happened not this past weekend where it was so hot and you didn't leave the house <laughs> but two weekends ago was the dedication of author ash boulevard and i'm gonna tell you i'm still like hyped off of the three-day event uh it was just an amazing and amazing three days it's big it was big for the city it was big for richmond i gotta do some due diligence and some housework early on i gotta shout out all the author ash boulevard committee for just planning a wonderful three days they allowed me to be a part of their social justice forum that was at the vmfa so i definitely got to shout them out for that i've moderated a panel with it was just an amazing panel. It had Clovia Lawrence on it, Michael Paul Williams, Dr. Neely from Initiatives for Change, mm. uh, Justin Tinsley from ESPN's The Undefeated, and the special treat was Johnny Ash, Arthur Ash's younger brother, uh, was on the panel. It was fantastic. The Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, shout out to everyone over there. For they sure. actually uh, you know, put us in a room. I think it held about 400, and it, it was just an amazing event. And, and I get to do it a lot. Gigi, I'll tell you, uh, more than I ever thought I would get to like moderate panels and do those types of things. Yeah. But this one just meant so much uh, to be able to be a part of something that was really renaming the boulevard in honor of you know, one of Richmond's global heroes. Definitely a historic occasion. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Then they followed that up with events on Friday and then the big ceremony was on Saturday. It was beautiful to see everybody out like it was Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, Congressman John Lewis was the keynote speaker, obviously famous for his civil rights activism, and he gave just an amazing, amazing speech. Um, so it was a good time, man. I just got wanted one more time just shout out everybody involved with that. It was such, such a great event for Richmond. I think it puts us on a path towards, <laughs> you know, it puts us on a path towards what can come next. You know, everything wasn't perfect. Everything's not perfect in Richmond when it comes to these types of things. Um, but it shows, in my opinion, that Richmond has the ability right, to, to, to do things that might be difficult and to do things that are putting us in a path towards the future as opposed to looking at the past. I agree. And so I was really, really excited about that. Uh, the other thing, obviously, this past weekend, I didn't get a chance to see as many events as I would like but there was just such a we talked about July being Pride Month last episode yeah and there were so many Pride events over the weekend in Richmond that was just it was it was honestly refreshing to see like it was it's it's a it's a it's a blessing to see that like just to see so many uh, events that actually celebrated all people in Richmond exactly exactly I'm, I'm pretty proud of the uh the way the diversity is is going and i'm looking forward to uh things to come it's an exciting time it's an exciting time and one of the things before we really get into the show with no further ado about things that are coming up in the future that we're really excited about gg broadway this sunday july 7th 4 p.m at the dark room in the hofheimer free open to all cheats movement on wrr live superstar extravaganza you can't beat that. You mean to tell me it's free, Cheats Movement is in the building, and a good time? It's going to be a great time. We've got amazing guests lined up. It is uh, a good friend, Jack Lauerbach. Uh, Jack goes forth. I know him as Jack goes forth. The ama- like, 
He was writing the back page for Style Weekly. He is now on, I think, one of Richmond's most popular morning shows with yep. Jack and Melissa Chase. Uh, he's just a fun. I, I, this is actually my first time that I'll actually be meeting him, and we're going to interview him and talk about his journey in Richmond, which he's been, got some, I'm sure, some wild stories. Um, so we got him. We've got amazing activist, amazing person, Yawande Austin, Dr. Yawande Austin, oh. who's also going to be in. She's doing amazing work overseas. I'm surprised we get her because every time I talk to her, she's like, I'm about to go to Nigeria <laughs> or someplace amazing <laughs> to do like- some work. We've got some of the best freestyle, off the top of the head hip hop artist that'll be doing a very special Richmond hip hop game, improv game for us. Oh, We've that's going to be dope. To at least two special musical performances One by Michael Millions okay. AGM's own Hard to be King And Black Dynamite A brand new group fe- Featuring my boy uh, Doe and Chris Haskins And a couple of their colleagues It's just going to be amazing To have Black Dynamite there What else do we have? We have DJ Mentos He's going to be controlling The ones and twos of the night And oh, we're also going to have We're going to have You know this You just saw this we're going to have the debut of the very first ever Cheats Movement commercial. Whew! Oh, I can't wait. Noah O also, pop-up shop, video debut for Noah O. So we just got a lot. It's Sunday. Mark your calendars. Cheats Movement on WRIR Live Superstar Extravaganza. Be 4 there. p.m. 4 p.m. And it's going to be open to all. It's free and open to all at the darkroom. So we got to shout them out and thank them. And man, we just got a great, great show coming up. So, Gigi Broadway will be right back after this. Let's start the show. Hello? Jackson here. Yeah, what? You found Manuel Noriega? In the Philippines? He has a mansion? Okay, we're on the water right now. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, July 2nd. You are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. This episode is brought to you by Workin' Friends, one of uh, the best co-working spots in all of Richmond, Virginia. Make sure you check them out. It is Workin' Friends, located right on Broad Street, right in the heart near VCU. It is amazing. So shout out to Larkin and everyone that helps us out at Workin' Friends. GG Broadway, you know what time it is? I feel like it's time for some We See It. Back by popular demand, it has been a while. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a while since we have been able to ask the audience, ask you, Gigi Broadway, if you see it, and I'll tell you if I see it, but you know we see it because we see Richmond, we see the state, we see our community a little bit differently, and this is by far the most popular segment, and and even though we don't do it all the time, the most consistent that we've done. <clears throat> so, I'm going to ask you, Gigi Broadway, as we start yesterday, Monday, July 1, yesterday, there was a bunch of new laws. I see. And the state of hundreds of new laws took effect in the state of Virginia. I'm going to ask you about some of the laws, and you tell me if you see it, if you don't see it, and why. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Big. I think this is probably one of the bigger ones. There's two that are really big. This one's one of the bigger ones. Okay. The state of Virginia has increased the age to buy tobacco and nicotine products. You now have to be 21, up from 18, to purchase tobacco or nicotine products such as cigarettes and vape devices. If you have a military ID, a valid military ID, you'll still be able to buy these products at the age of 18. GG Broadway, 21 to buy your vape pens and your your cigarettes. Do you see it? Do you not see it? I mean, I see it. I'm actually, I'm, 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 I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. You know, give the young whoopersnappers a couple more years of, uh, I guess of a lack of chemicals and all the heinous thing, rat poison, all that. You know, three more years before they can indulge. I, I see it. I agree. I'm you not agree. mad at it. So now, yes, 
here's the thing. Public health is extremely important, and I am not one of these people that feel like, you know, I, I, I know you are. I'm not one of these people that feel like everything that the government does is Big Brother overreaching. <laughs> like, you know, I'm technically, technically, you know, I mean, you can't I'll, you can't just rule out everything that's bad for you, but you got to give people some choice. I do think that, you know, the effects of cigarettes has been pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Overall, he's kind of indisputable at this point. Very bad, yeah. However, you know, it's tough. I will say this. I I think I see the increase from 18 to 21. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same age as about alcohol at 21. So the only thing that really throws me off about increasing the the smoking age of 21 and having the drinking age of 21 is that these little babies out here can buy these firearms at like 12. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, I, I do. I do believe that that's a concern. Like, I saw this thing. It was like Vice or some piece where, like, yeah. one of the kids went to the convenience store and tried to buy beer. And the lady at 7-Eleven was like, you got to be kidding me. Get out of here. You're 12. And then he went and tried to buy cigarettes. And they were like, you got to be kidding. Get out of here. You're 12. And then he goes to a gun show and gets, like, all of these weapons and rifles. And everybody at the gun show is like, hey, start them early. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> And I'm looking at it like, yo, there's got to be a problem with this. So, I mean, here's the thing. I'm probably a little bit more along the lines of like, you know, let's 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 protect us from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the gun thing is a little bit different because, you know, to play devil's advocate. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead tell me why a 12 year old should be able to buy I mean, a firearm, a rifle or like some type of handgun, but can't buy cigarettes. I mean, you know, one could possibly argue the fact that it could be for protection you know what i mean you never know you know i mean just you you have to play devil's advocate with the with hey, the second I, well I mean, you know what let's just quit while we're ahead i enjoy the uh, i'm i'm with it i see the increased age to buy tobacco i'm with it uh let's move on to the next one because i think this is also a very big one and i don't see why anybody would be really against this one because it's been proven to you know not be effective or you know, had a bunch of unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Courts will no longer be able to suspend driver's license for unpaid fines and costs. If you owe court fines, you will no longer have your driver's license taken away. More than 6,207 people who had a suspended license because of unpaid court costs will have their license reinstated. Do you see that? Do you not see that? Ooh, I definitely see that. I mean, me personally, I've never had my license suspended, but I got a lot. And I mean, a lot of friends and family who are hurting right now. So that's a that's a good move. I, I, I always found it counterintuitive. I found it counterintuitive for you, like say that you were, you know, went to court for something. You got court fees. And the only way to pay off your court fees is to work. And their only one of their only forms of punishment is to take away your driver's license, so you can't get to work. Exactly. So I was like, I understand, you know, that that is counter. It's like just counterproductive to take someone's driver's license away just for unpaid court fines. Right. Like now, if you have a DUI, you have something like that. I get it. You know, you, some type of driving under the influence offense. But right. a lot of folks, you know, you're looking at people with like child support or something like that, and they're like, oh yeah, you have these funds based off of your court appearance you can't go to work or drive to work to pay off the fines i always felt that that was counterproductive uh and i think it, it goes to show you when we say six thousand two hundred and uh, six hundred and twenty seven thousand people Wait, say that again how much six hundred and twenty seven thousand people that had their license suspended because of unpaid court costs will have their license reinstated i think it's a great thing i think it's amazing um the only thing i can see that will be a negative is that the lines in DMV <laughs> were already long enough. But already now, long enough. But I love it. I, I love to hear that, man. All right. Here's one for you. Uh, and you can tell me about this because, you know, in Virginia, we always plan for school to start after Labor Day in that September week. Yeah. However, schools now can start before Labor Day. All Virginia public school divisions can set the first day of school as early as two weeks before Labor Day, as long as students have a four-day Labor Day weekend. Thoughts? Yeah. I don't know, man. More, I don't you're know. against more education. 
No, I'm just saying, you know, my kids might might have a problem if I uh, agree to this one. But, I mean, I could take her to leave this one, honestly. I mean, you know. I'm okay with it. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with it because a lot of things start earlier and earlier. I think, uh, you know, in, in Virginia, especially in Central Virginia, like the high school football schedule starts like two weeks before school starts. Very true. I'm like, you might as well put those babies in school and just start having some education. I can see that. I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. If it was out after Labor Day, I wouldn't have a problem with it either because I'm used to that. I've been conditioned. Exactly. My conditioning has been conditioned. Yeah. So I, I don't have a problem with it. But if, if they want to start school two weeks early before Labor Day, you know, that's when the colleges start, right? When you exactly. went to college, you were, you were back before Labor Day. You would, you would be at college for like two weeks, then you'd be like, oh, home for Labor Day. Yeah. It was late. That's true. That sure. Labor Day college break was late. Oh, we're not going to go there. <laughs> 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 All right, Gigi Broadway, let's go to the last one right now. And I know that this one is a big one for you because I know you have thoughts of winning the lottery one day. And, and now a law has passed in Virginia where if you win more than $10 million through the Virginia lottery, you do not have to publicly disclose your name or personal information, which is a change. So before that, you, you, you couldn't just like claim. Basically, what my mama would say is, I will, you know, if she won the lottery for a bigger number, she would let one of her kids claim it yep. and move on there. But now you can actually remain anonymous. Do you see this or you don't see this? I definitely see this. Um, you know, not that I, the probability of me winning or ever winning any type of lottery is definitely uh, Do you play the Virginia lottery? I do on occasions, but I think I might start playing even more. I mean, have just you ever seen this new law? Just because of you know the <laughs> possibility. I mean, have you seen the uh, show "The Lottery Ruined My Life"? Yes. That's that's a tragic thing to or watch. Or any uh, Ayana Van Sant "Fix My Life." Yeah. Usually they have lottery winners on there. That's, that's their life. Their lives are miserable. Think of how many lives may potentially be saved because of the uh, of this new rule. You, we don't know who wins. You know. People can't hit these people up for money. I think it's awesome, man. Well, we're going to have to leave it there for now. That is We See It, the Virginia Law Edition. <laughs> GG Broadway, we will be right back after this. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, July 2nd. I am joined by a very special guest. I call her Dr. T, <laughs> but it's Dr. Tanya Pettifer Waits. She is the creator of the Conciliation Project and also an associate professor at VCU uh, for theater. She is also, look, as, as the kids would say, she's also the OG when it comes to race, Richmond, discussions, reconciliation. She has a wonderful, wonderful background. And I'd like to welcome her first time on the program. Dr. T, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Trying times out there. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Lord. Trying times out there. I want to start on a good note, or mm -hmm. I, what I think is a great, great note for the city of Richmond, the capital city. We are now about a week or so removed from the dedication and the renaming of the boulevard to Arthur Ashe Boulevard. Ah. We had just a big three days of festivities you got a shout out at the social justice forum at the vmfa you don't know about this no. i'm telling you this now i was moderating a panel that featured uh, it was an amazing panel it featured clovia lawrence justin tinsley from espn michael paul williams um dr neely from uh initiatives for change mm -hmm. and johnny ash which was arthur ash's younger brother was on mm -hmm. the social justice panel and Johnny Ash is an amazing uh, individual. He was able to tell some really firsthand accounts of him and Arthur growing up in Richmond. One of the things he mentioned that he's obviously concerned about, and I think everybody on the panel is concerned about, was education. Mm. Public education, RPS. And I hearken back to when we did a project together at the VMFA. And you said the most profound thing about education. <laughs> and it was if your education and the the mount rushmore of black oh, heroes yes, yes. was basically the same as my education yes which hasn't changed in, in the distance between our ages and won't change for the distance between my son who's four years old we're still learning about the same same people. mount rushmore he was like there's something wrong with our education system that's right and i called i i, I, I cited you i called you out 
uh, oh. by, by name because uh, I, I like to give credit where credit is due. But uh, it's just fantastic to have you on the program. Thanks. Nice to be here. Let's start with Arthur Ashe Boulevard. And we had, like I said, a wonderful three days. We had the social justice panel at the VMFA. But the, the, the big kind of deal was Saturday, and it was keynoted by John Lewis. And we had a bunch of speakers uh, that were on the panel. I mean, like on the stage that day. And one of the themes that came out of this was the importance of naming things. Oh, yes. And so, and so let me let me lead in with you, and you'll get your thoughts on this, because I heard two things. One, I heard that it was really significant in Richmond to name the boulevard after Arthur Ashe, obviously, mm-hmm. with Monument Avenue still being an intersection of it. The other thing I did hear, though, and, and I want to get your opinion on it, was, okay, so they named the street, but what really changes? Mm-hmm. So the question is... Is there a significance in, in something as, as bold as renaming the boulevard? Or is it we'll have to wait and see what happens after the name of the change? How, how, do, how do we process this? Well, I think it's a both-and uh, conversation. Um, there is something very significant about naming the boulevard, Arthur Ashe Boulevard. Uh, it's not just the boulevard. It now has the name of a native son of Richmond who was a change maker. A change, Arthur Ashe changed the game of tennis just by his presence in it. And um, I'm one who believes that words matter. I'm one that believes that you need to use the right word in order to begin any conversation. Um, for example, the, the, the term racism. So many people have so many definitions of what that means. Unless we can come to some sort of common understanding about what it actually is, um, it'll be difficult to undo it, to deconstruct it, to uh, get rid of it, to address it which in my opinion is one of the reasons that um, it is still uh, the blight, you know, it's still a blight on the American story that we haven't addressed it. When we talk about um, reconciliation, I heard you um, use that term and you know that, and everybody wants to reconcile, at least that's what they say with their mouth. You know, um, with their actions, it's a whole different um, story. When you start talking about um, reconciling something, it means to redo something that you've already done. Right. Because of the re, prefix of that word. So that's the reason that our company chose to be the conciliation project and not the reconciliation project. Because with regard to race... Um, systems of uh, oppression, injustice, etc. in this nation, how this nation's, where this nation's history lies, the historic legacy of race and racism in this, na- in this nation, we've never been together, so we can't re-come together. We can't redo something that we've never done in the first place. And what does that look like, and not even on a national scale, what does that look like in Richmond, which obviously is based a lot on history and based a lot on, you know, the former capital of the Confederacy, the the Civil War, the legacy, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to me because now what is happening is almost like you're on almost two different like dual trajectories right Mm. one is trying to move away from that legacy as fast as possible Mm. and the other of it the other kind of trajectory is like hey we need this let's let's make sure we highlight the view you know we rebrand our museums and we so we have a place Mm. that works that that kind of brings this in whether it's economic based or even like history or legacy based but the others the other side of the 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 quote unquote the interesting thing about the richmond quote unquote rva divide that a lot of people in our community talk about yes is that the rva side of this the side that is the breweries and the cuisine and the you mm-hmm. know new redevelopments mm-hmm. they i feel like they are running away they are not the ones saying we need to do anything that brings attention to Confederate history. They okay, run so, far away from it. I okay, think. so you're t- 
to me, you're talking about gentrification. That, so, that's a part of it. So, right. it's a, it's a, like, when I look at the RVA versus the kind of historical Richmond, when I look at the Richmond side of it, mm-hmm. I look at a side that's older. I look at a side that might be a little more browner or blacker. Yes. I look at a sign that really, that Churchill meant something. Jackson yes. Ward meant something. Yes. When I look at the RVA side, I'm looking at a side that's like, Hey, best place to have a river, all these new craft breweries. Right. Let's put RVA on everything, the expansion right. of VCU. But none of that stuff, the, the story to me of that Confederate legacy, that yes. part of it doesn't yes. fit into RVA. Right. Except it does. <laughs> hit, hit me. Hit Except me. it does. Hit right. me, Dr. T. Yeah. So they don't, you know, those, that, uh, the Nouveau Riche or whatever. Sure. You know, the, yeah, yeah. this, this uh, um, remaking sure. of... Richmond, Scott's edition, the new of part that. of Churchill. No, oh, don't get me wrong. Gentrification is a huge part of it too. Yes, so. yes. So, so the idea of renaming, so you know, there's two tracks, right? So there's the track of the cover up, right? right? So sure. let's name it something else. Yeah. You know, let's let's take it. <laughs> I mean, and the, the Coliseum developments had like 14 different names. I can't yes, do, but yes. we look Pulse just rubbed out. This is a part of the RVA Pulse, part of yes, this. Yes, yes. Right, okay, okay, yeah. go ahead. So 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 let's name it, let's co- let's name it something else. Let's cover it up, you know, and just sort of build something on top of it and call it something else and hope nobody notices and that the folks who remember won't. <laughs> basically. Sure. You know, and uh, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about when we rename the Boulevard Arthur Ashe Boulevard, there is a history that we cannot forget. Why Arthur Ashe, right? I mean, who is Arthur Ashe? So it brings up all kinds of questions about, and then we've got to, we've got to deal with the history. When the questions come up, we've got to answer those questions. Mm. So it begs interrogation. Um, you know, now there's gonna be some youth who come up who will always remember it as Arthur Ashe. Just like my grandchildren, will remember that the first president they knew was Barack Obama, right? right? So, um, you know, I grew up at a time when George Wallace was running for president. Right. I grew, <laughs> I grew up at a time, I'm old enough to remember thinking there will never be a black president. Yes, yes. Like that was normal to, yes, to say exactly. there will never be a black president. So, you know, I'm not talking about covering up because whatever you cover up is going to come to light, like my grandmother used to say. You know, I mean, it'll start stinking and smelling somewhere. And, you, you know, if you can't just... You must clean, you, you must prepare the ground when you're gonna build something on it. You know, you have to acknowledge uh, what was there before uh, because it's important. Uh, and it, um, it allows people to feel like their history is not being ignored. Mm-hmm. You know, is not being brushed over, brushed aside, marginalized. Um, but- <laughs> That's part of what's wrong with the with the book. Right, because the, my uh, question is, what if that Boulevard? history? Just asking, what if that history is mostly inaccurate or mostly built on propaganda or lies? Mm. So that's the ch- that's one of the challenges I see with a lot of what we face in Richmond is that you're holding on to a history that may not necessarily be accurate. So if I had a quarter for every. <laughs> well-intentioned person of European descent yes. that really looked at me and said, well, there were good slave owners. Yes, well, see, there's the problem right there. Then you don't know what slavery was. You don't know what slavery ru- was if you think there were good slave owners. But we were taught that. We were taught that, oh, Thomas Jefferson or George Washington may have had slaves, but they were really deferential uh-huh. to their... This is what Thomas we were Jefferson and George Washington were both white supremacists. Before we had the name white supremacists, they clearly thought that white people were superior to black people. Um, you don't enslave people that you think are equal to you. <laughs> you know, you don't, you know, when you're asking someone to, to, uh, to work for you, you compensate them for their work, unless you don't think of them on an equal par as yourself. Right, that uh, if you were doing the work, you would want to be paid. So I think that that, that um, slavery, you know, that institution is such a shame, such a blight on the American cultural landscape that they they continually try to reframe it and rename it and or forget it or push it aside or say that was a long time sure. ago. Sure. 
I I didn't have slaves. My people didn't have slaves. Da, da, da. Ha, ha. Now we, we just ha- heard that this week. We I'm just sure heard you that did. last week with the reparations debate on Capitol Hill. And, and, and the first yes. thing that came out was, well, I've, I don't know anyone that owned slaves. My family didn't own slaves. So I, how do I we think that uh, it was the leader of the of Mitch the McConnell. Senate, yep. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Who said that? Uh, you know, clearly he does not know his history. Mm. And now we've got what is it, twenty three and Me or? Heritage, uh, you know, myheritage.com or whatever. You're not going to talk about that Thomas Jefferson ad, are you? <laughs> Don't do it. Don't no, do it. No, no. It was, you know what I'm talking about? The ancestry.com, top, the, the, the black man that was related to Thomas Jefferson. That oh. was related? Oh, it's, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's, I not, haven't seen it's it. not worth looking up. I haven't seen it. But, but we, it was, we know black people were related to Thomas Jefferson. But the pride he took in being in the commercial uh, is something that... Actually, there's a there's an editorial on the cheats movement. Oh, sometime. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll just, look at I it. I was just I don't understand, uh, I, but no, it was no, no, no. This is you. You bring up an interesting point, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, the voice you are hearing is Dr. Tanya Pettifer Waits. She is the creator of the Conciliation Project and an associate professor in theater at VCU. We are. I, I want to ask you because one of the things you mentioned was that if you valued or thought individuals were equal to you. You would pay them what uh, <laughs> what you feel like their their labor is worth. Yes, that brings up an interesting individual that's currently in the White House. Yes, I, I want to switch gears. I don't want to okay, bring okay. this into right. the. But I do want to ask you about something that I think is happening in the 2020 race. As as of now, there's like you know 22 people running for yeah. president. I think there's 24. It's actually. something amazing. There's so many people that they literally had two debate nights. Yes, with different people on stage. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about that I think is interesting that's happening, especially in the African-American community, is almost what I feel like is a coded litmus test Mm -hmm. for authenticity for black candidates. So when you're talking about black candidates, especially the leading ones, you're talking about Senator Harris out of California. You're talking about Senator Booker in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And... I have never seen this before, but there's kind of this race to see who is more authentic, not just with those two, but any minority or anyone that's actually looking for the black vote to say who's more authentically black, if that makes sense. Mm. And almost to an extent, but during the debate, Republican operatives were tweeting out that Senator Harris is not black enough. She didn't grow up in a black environment mm-hmm. and I which just, is a lie of, of course yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. but but i was just trying to understand one have you ever seen anything like this and what do we make of this kind of authenticity test for people of color running for you know not just this office but if you're looking at any office mm-hmm. there seems to be this kind of coded test that you know, we don't know if this is good enough because Cory Brooker might have went to Stanford. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, how does well, this work? Well, you know, first of all, this has always been uh, a conversation in the black community. Mm-hmm. Colorism is a problem in the black community. You know, I mean, my father told me stories. My father is a, 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 an alpha. My mother's an AKA. Uh, <laughs> my mother is all the Delta, so I okay, okay. A bit of this so story, right? you know, my, both my parents went to Howard University, <laughs> and my father would say that they used to have a brown paper bag test. You know, the 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 alphas, and that had to do if you, if your skin was darker than a brown paper bag, sure. that was not a woman that they wanted to date. Now that. That's you know so so that's not so there so there's a test right that that's a, a test of of blackness not so much uh, in um, are you an authentic black person but are you too black as in the color black right. in order to be right so it's it's an old thing I mean I you know I come from. Um, uh, a middle-class black family both my parents are educated professionals my father's a dentist you know I mean so and I had uh, that kind of education I went to Carnegie Mellon University mm-hmm. you know so I come from what would be considered a privileged background right. and all throughout my life uh, I was also you know my authenticity as a black person was questioned not by white people by black people Absolutely. white people know I'm black you know so it's are you black enough right you talk white you whatever you know those things i still hear i work with youth um and and various arts programs around the city those kids are saying the same things 
today as they were saying back when I was coming up, Absolutely. you know, in, in the 60s. So um, it hasn't gone anywhere. So this thing, uh, you know, this thing between uh, about Kamala Harris, is she, she was, she's not an, she doesn't represent the authentic African-American experience. Um, black in America, that intersection of, of black in America, whether you are an immigrant coming from the islands, whether you're an immigrant coming from the continent, whether you're, and you have black skin, you are going to automatically be propelled into the black experience in America. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no, I don't care how much money you make, ask, you know, ask a, a Danny Glover who can't still get a cab Sure. On Broadway in New sure. York, you you know I mean Le so it's LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James, exactly. I mean it's happening. Yeah. You know it hasn't changed in this country. The black experience, we all have. It doesn't matter our education level. It doesn't matter our economic level. It doesn't matter what our uh, profession is. We experience uh, that experience on a broad scale. It's so, not monolithic. So here's the thing, though, and what I think I see. Even with all of this, and I agree with you 100%, but what I think I see now is also that challenge of being electable. Oh. When, we say, when we say that word, yes. I don't think it's electable amongst black folks, right? Right, amongst electable amongst white folks. Um, right. Electable, and, and so Barack Obama right. struck this magic wave where he was, you know, winning Iowa caucuses and also getting his picture hung up at Ben's Chili Bowl who eats for free at Washington, D.C. Right. And I think what we're trying to see is this interesting balance, not just for Harris and Booker. I think if you go, like, look at, you know, Stacey Abrams was a different type of black, right? Andrew In Gillard. Georgia. Right. It was a different. <laughs> so, so you're seeing, I think, this pathway. And I'll be interested to, to see if you think that this is healthy. But you see this pathway where it's, if you're going to be an African-American or even a person of color or even different because there's a Mayor Pete Buttigieg yes. who is openly gay, mm -hmm. but you have to follow. Who just uh, who just raised $25 million. Right. But you have to follow <laughs> this kind of Obama-esque, right, coalition, right, yeah. to figure yeah, yeah, this yeah, out. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're Biden or Trump, no matter what party you are, you just have to, you know. Get the name recognition up and, and get, you know what I mean? Just get the working class, if that's the yes. argument, to vote for you. So is there a balance that makes it kind of uniquely different now post-Obama? I think, uh, okay, there's 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 a really um, sort of elephant in the room that makes it very unique. Kamala Harris is a black woman. And we all know what that means in America. So, you know, um, I mean, Stacey Abrams did an incredible job down in Georgia in that in the 2018 elections. And I believe she won the election. I believe she won the election. But, you know, Jerry, she was facing forces that right, forces be, way We've beyond never seen before in the history voter of suppression, yeah, like yeah. unbelievable. We've never saw before in a race. Yes. So but the fact that she that um, Camilla is a black woman, um, she faces it's it can't. This is a new thing that we're doing. It can't be compared to what Obama did. And by the way, um, I believe it is the baby boomer blacks, the blacks who went through this, who were there, who recognize, who uh, were the pioneers in the civil rights struggle, who are the most skittish about uh, a black person leading the nation as president because they did not start supporting Obama until white folks told him it was okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, you know. That, that's, that's almost like anything, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> until white folks told that, him it was okay. Until somebody else tells you that it's cool. Yes, you yes. know what I mean? You don't really know yes. that it's cool, right? Exactly. Like, like you're just like. You're thinking, think. we, we got it. You know, and right now, there is such trauma surrounding um, this presidency that sure. is in the White House right now. Sure. And, and the thing that people are fearing is that this uh, that that it will continue because of the split in the Democratic co coalition? Like, can we capture lightning in the bottle again? We can't do what Obama did the way Obama did it because we are not in those times. Sure. This is a different time, and these are different candidates. I think the big thing has to do with 
the patriarchy myself, mm -hmm. and that's black and white and whatever color, mm -hmm. is that can men in this country recognize that we need <laughs> we need some female leadership? It you did, know, it's interesting that you brought about the baby boomer blacks as well because they, I mean it's historic if you look at it. Mm -hmm. the challenges of the civil rights movement when it came to gender equality. Yes, right? yes. So that's another angle if you're looking at someone like Harris. Exactly. That's like, not only is it a black person that could possibly be president, it's a black woman that's right. that could possibly be president. So, last thing. We're going to have to get you out of here. I this know, I a know. lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I uh, could, we could go on about And this. we had a whole <laughs> bunch of other things that I wanted to ask you about, but for the sake of time, I want to bring up one thing it, because it ties into what you said and we didn't talk about it before. But you were on record as a obviously an accomplished journalist as well. You wrote a column about we spent all of last episode <laughs> talking about the election of Joe Morrissey. So I'm not going to do that this oh, time. Oh, yes. I'm not going to do okay. that. I'm okay. not going to do that this time. Okay. Okay. But I do one of the things that you wrote in your column. You can look it up in Urban Views, uh, which is uh, which is really I thought really brought up an interesting point for me was the hurdles that black women have to go through and the chances that a white man like Joe Morrissey would get. That So by the time, I don't know if this was your intention, but when I finished reading your piece, mm. I was struck by saying all the strikes that he got versus, like, Rosalind Dance would have never got those strikes. No. Like, or she, or she didn't. Right? Yes, like, right, it was, right, like, right. So, so it was like, how much are you put this into, not, not just, you know, the presidential, but you put it into any election, and it's like, how perfect do black women candidates have to be Yes. In order just to, you know, get elected or run re-election. It was just mind-boggling. Almost perfect. Almost perfect. Right. Because she's going to get, you know, if we put it in a baseball, meta, you know, analogy, yeah. uh, she's not going to get three strikes. She's not going to get three strikes. Like, you know, she's got to be on her game the entire time. And I'm, you know, I'm waiting because what's going to happen is if, she can stay on her game and starts winning over some of these white women, white men. All of a sudden, the baby boomers are going to... Because basically, we all just want to beat Trump. I said his name. That's, I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> Number 45. We, we want to beat him because we can't survive another four years with that happening in Washington. So... That's what people and 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 these women that are running the um, House of Representatives right now, these women of color, sure. these powerful women, you know, uh, AOC, uh, Omar, um, uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib, and um, Ayanna Presley. Yep. Uh, that is the future. Those women, um, we need to start following their lead and not settling for what we have always settled for. That's why I loved what Harris said in the debate when she brought up uh, the whole issue around um, uh, the nostalgia of working with these uh, segregationists. Sure, sure. You know, the, the I mean, Joe the nostalgia of the good old days. No, we do not want the good old days. We just have had the good old days in the White House, we don't want them anymore. We need to follow the lead of these women, these progressive women um, that are attempting to break us free. Mamas know how to free. Remember, remember uh, Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. Sure. Okay, so we, Harriet Tubman, they never, were on, they're on the Mount Rushmore, and never lost a passenger <laughs> right. on the train. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just saying. <laughs> we need to follow the women. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is Dr. T. Tanya Pettifer Waits. Where can everyone follow you and your all your work at the Conciliation Project? At uh, theconciliationproject.org. Okay. Um, on Twitter, you can follow me at TP Waits. And um, you can also go to my website, which is coveringtheground.com. And we'll have to leave it there. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We'll do much more of this with Dr. Waits, Dr. Pettifer Waits, in the future. So thank you for being our guest, and we'll be back right Loved after this. Loved it. Thank you.
ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, July 2nd, and we're about to close the show. Before we do that, we've got to thank Dr. Tanya Pettifer-Waits for her insight. Dr. T is a jewel in Richmond, and we're so glad to have her. So she'll be on the show again. It was the first time we've had her, and it was such an honor to have her. So thank her. We got to thank our wonderful sponsor, Work and Friends. We recorded a lot of this week's episode on location. They have a wonderful location right on Broad Street, 1657 Broad Street. They have two locations, actually, a co-working space and an event space, so make sure you check them out. Last but not least, on the announcement front, again, please, please tell your friends, come out to the dark room at the Hofheimer Building on Broad Street, Sunday, July 7th at 4 p.m. You're going to have a wonderful 4th of July on Thursday. You're going to have a wonderful 4th of July weekend as we wind down the 4th of July weekend and go back into the work week. Come out, join Gigi and I, join our Superstar Spectacular event featuring Jack Lauerback, Yolande Austin, Michael Millions, Black Dynamite, Kimberly Nario, like we're going to have a ton of friends in the building, Noah O. Um, it's going to be a great event this Sunday. It's free. It's open to the public. Make sure you come out. It's just going to be a blast. Before we close out the show, I've got a couple of parting, couple of parting shots. And on this show, we talk a lot about the intersection between culture, hip hop culture, race, commerce there's just a lot of that stuff that is the crux of this show we're fascinated with that intersection and so am i and it comes to mind as we wind down pride month what's been going on with a young rapper that is exploded on the scene he has the number one record in the country i believe he has the number two album in the country and it's a hip-hop artist or an artist by the name of Little Nas X. He's an African-American. He has the catchy song Old Town Road with Billy Ray Cyrus that has been the number one song in the country. And I, I, I want to bring this up as we close out the show because we've heard a lot about this young man and we've heard a lot about the song, extremely catchy song. But a lot of it is also surrounding the intersection of race intersection of culture the intersection of commerce when you talk about how the music is gone and then the the situation with wrangler and now we've got a new element that is a part of Lil Nas's ex's story he came out on instagram post and said that his sexuality is would be considered more fluent than a cis heterosexual relationship and he did this while he has the number one record in the country or he has a number one record in the country and he's just starting his career So I I think of everything that's happened over the last, let's say, three months, three or four months with Lil Nas Nas X and Old Town Road. First, his song being put on the country charts at Billboard and then also being moved off the country charts and put on the rap charts as opposed to the song Billboard saying not being a country song started a whole bunch of controversy, moves to him having just the song exploding He signs a deal, a special limited edition Wrangler deal that features Old Town Road type of paraphernalia. The backlash that comes from traditional Wrangler fans that may not necessarily look like Lil Nas X was obviously just a litany of challenges, if you will, that are based and rooted in race. They're based and rooted in culture. They're based and rooted in commerce. And through all of this, Lil Nas X keeps performing, and now he has the post with his announcement about his sexuality. And I, I can't imagine, I, I mean, full disclosure, I'm a cis heterosexual male that is married, and I can't imagine what he has to go through at the height of what he's going through, at the height of what he's going through, at the age that he's going through it. So while all this is going on, and it's the, 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 book is not written on Lil Nas X and what he what he will accomplish in the future I just hope that the boundaries that he's pushing leads to more open-mindedness and more acceptance of all people as they move through their journeys and we'll figure out how 
this impacts culture as we move forward. As we wind down Pride Month and all of this is going on, I, I wanted to solicit some opinions from the listeners about what they make of everything that's happening surrounding Lil Nas X. If it's a good thing for the culture, uh, I can't see, at, at, from my vantage point, it seems as if it's just something that's constantly breaking barriers. But maybe I am a creature of the present. So if there's historical context that you kind of see that I'm missing, please let me know. I would love to get your feedback on everything that's happening with Lil Nas X. Uh, as, as we move forward it'll be an interesting discussion as we move forward on the cheats movement in the weeks and months ahead last thing i'll say before we get out of here it, it is it has been a challenging few days in the richmond community uh we have lost some amazing individuals in just some unprecedented ways tragedy uh if anybody is familiar with an incident that happened in downtown Richmond and Chaco Bottom last Tuesday. There was a very tragic situation that happened. I won't go into the details, but we do know a young lady, 22 years old, a Chesterfield native, lost her life from a scene that was unprecedented uh, and, and is just completely tragic. We lost. Uh, an individual and, and res- I'm sorry I'm just trying to be as respectful as possible for the families but the you know a very beloved brewer uh, bartender uh, at a very popular spot in Richmond uh, lost his life tragically uh, during uh, just a kind of a sporting event it was very very tragic uh, we lost a lot of us in the arts community and the creative community lost a friend of ours due to uh, mental health and suicide and depression. So, and I know that these things happen every day, every hour, every minute, but it's just, it's been a tough couple days in the Richmond community. If you have loved ones that you care about, the best thing I can just tell you is let them know that you care about them while you can. Make sure you're just reaching out, checking on folks. It is critical, critical in this day and age in 2019 that we let our friends know we let people know that they're they're thought of and they're cared for uh and hopefully we'll be able together to stem the tide and and, and obviously tragedies are tragedies they happen every day um but we really do want to count our blessings as we move forward there's a lot of really really good things happening in our in our community we want to highlight those things but we also want to acknowledge that there, there's, there is some, some difficult things that are happening as well, and we just want to be mindful of that as we move forward. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, it's always, always a pleasure to be able to come to you every other week on WRIR. I hope to see as many of you as possible on Sunday for our live show. We're going to have a blast. Until next time, Richmond, we see you.